How much money would the world gain by ending coal use? And how much has extreme weather events already cost emerging economies' GDPs? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becketsphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, science writer. Today is Monday, June 13th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with a climate event. Almost all of Portugal is experiencing severe drought after the end of May dried out and heated up the country. May was the hottest Southern Europe has seen in 92 years, according to the weather service IPMA. Over 97% of Portugal is in severe drought, which is one knockdown from extreme. Now on to some climate studies. The International Monetary Fund found major gains from phasing out coal by, quote, comparing the current value of the benefits from avoided emissions against the present value of costs from ending coal plus the cost of replacing it with renewable energy. In a new report, it found that the world could see a net gain of $77.98 trillion, which represents 1.2% of the world's current GDP every year until 2100. The fund says carbon pricing and other policies should absolutely be pursued. Meanwhile, new research shows that extreme weather events have already knocked out a fifth of emerging economies' GDPs over the last two decades. Emerging economies are pushing for wealthy countries to help pay for the cost of damages and losses brought on by extreme weather events like typhoons, wildfires, and floods. The study was conducted by a consortium of financial ministers representing 55 emerging economies across Africa, Asia, the Americas, and the Pacific. The financial minister of Ghana, who wrote the report's preface, said that the findings should, quote, send alarm bells for the world economy. And a senior researcher at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, warns that Australia could be hit by a rare triple La Nina. It's not particularly unusual for La Niñas to come in pairs, like Australia has seen, one from October 2020 to March 2021, and one from November 2021 until now. This last one produced record-breaking flooding earlier this year, and it appears to be lasting longer than usual. And now their next summer looks likely to brew another one, with ocean temperatures being as cold over there as they are for this time of year. The last time it's experienced a triple La Niña was over 20 years ago. Overall, global warming is disrupting normal ocean heat patterns, producing the cold spell. Let's stay in Australia for our first climate victory. New South Wales, Australia's most populous state, announced it would invest $850 million US dollars in upgrading its transmission lines over the next 10 years to accept more clean energy. The state hopes to attract an additional $10 billion US dollars from the private sector. 50 projects worth of about 16,000 megawatts of clean energy have installed due to the outdated grid system. New Zealand's Environment Ministry proposed a burp tax for cows and sheep as a way to reduce livestock emissions. Nearly half of New Zealand's agriculture emissions come from livestock, and that's mainly because livestock burps methane, which is a gas 84 times more potent than CO2 for the first 20 years they're in the atmosphere. Cow burps represent 10% of overall global greenhouse gas emissions, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization. So this new rule would begin in 2025 and include incentives to reduce burp emissions through planting trees, giving the livestock methane capturing face masks, and switching their diet. 
The last one seems to be the most humane and helpful method to me because several studies have shown that feeding cattle seaweed significantly reduces their methane output. We'll know by the end of the year if this burp tax will pass. In Asia, China announced it will allow battery storage facilities to trade electricity to make the industry more appealing to investors. The goal is to accelerate the build-out of independent battery storage facilities to be able to take in the growing amount of solar and wind projects. The government also wants regional authorities to create price mechanisms that entice power companies to participate in the market. What's interesting is this plan doesn't include pumped hydro facilities, which is the dominant type of energy storage in China. But pumped hydro is still expected to get a boost from 32 gigawatts now to 120 gigawatts by 2030. Over to the Americas, U.S. officials announced that four development banks will jointly facilitate $50 billion over the next five years towards climate goals in Latin America and the Caribbean. The lenders are the Inter-American Development Bank, the CAF Development Bank of Latin America, the Caribbean Development Bank, and the Central American Bank for Economic Integration. This announcement came from a conference Biden recently had with some Latin American countries. President Biden is also seeking the private sector to help boost projects. Some of the first projects the government is likely to pursue involve reducing deforestation in Brazil, Colombia, and Peru. Fifteen countries have joined the Renewable Energy in Latin America and the Caribbean, or RELIC, initiative to run on 70% clean energy by 2030, and more are likely to join. The U.S. agreed in 2015, along with other wealthy nations, to provide $100 billion annually to help emerging economies shift to clean energy. And this $50 billion over five years falls quite short on that, but it's the largest effort we've seen so far from the U.S. government. In more U.S. news, the Biden administration announced it has started the process to designate the Hudson Canyon off of New York and New Jersey as a new marine sanctuary. The announcement came on World Oceans Day, which I totally forgot to wish y'all a happy day for on Wednesday, by the way. The plan is part of Biden's America the Beautiful initiative, which works to preserve 30% of federal lands and waters by 2030. The Hudson Canyon is home to sea turtles, deep-sea coral, and sperm whales. NOAA will write up an environmental impact assessment and write a management plan, which could take over a year. It is now seeking out public comment for designation, its potential name, and information on the area's indigenous and tribal heritage. Now for some climate fails. Poland's prime minister is pushing for more output from coal plants to bring down heating costs and energy prices, going against his climate obligation of reducing coal output. One in three Polish homes is heated by coal, making it one of the most coal-reliant countries in the European Union. The price of imported coal has gone up by 100% due to the Russian-Ukrainian war, though overall the price of energy was going up before the war, despite Poland's increase of domestic production. Meanwhile, the UK looks like it's sliding more and more back into its fossil fuel habit, to the extent that even a Shell chief executive officer commented on it. Regulators just approved Shell to develop in the Jack Daw natural gas field in the North Sea, which was previously rejected on environmental grounds. The Cambo oil field might be back on the table for Shell, which previously backed out of the deal. I know I said on Thursday that European fossil fuel companies are moving a bit faster towards clean energy than American ones, but they're still doubling down on fossil fuels at the same time. They're honestly just trying to dominate the renewable sector as well. 
Over in the U.S., the watchdog group, the Environmental Integrity Project, reported that there's at least 19 agreements to supply 24 million tons of liquefied natural gas, or LNG, per year beginning in 2026. A quarter of that is expected to go to Europe. Over time, LNG exports from these projects could reach over 90 million tons a year, which is the equivalent emissions of 18 million gas-powered cars driving for a year. And that's just direct emissions, so it doesn't account for methane leaks. Now, these agreements still need permitting and funding, so there's still time to change this trajectory. A new report by the utility watchdog Energy and Policy Institute found that Southern Company, one of the largest and most profitable electric utility companies in the U.S., knew about climate change back in 1964, yet continued to build fossil fuel facilities and fund climate misinformation groups. Southern Company serves over 9 million people across six states. This is a good reminder that it's not just the fossil fuel companies that were spreading misinformation. Finally, let's finish with some really big chemical news stories. The EU mandated USB-C to be the common smartphone and tablet charger by 2024 and by 2026 for laptops. The goal is to reduce e-waste and make customers' lives easier by making chargers uniform. This is a big blow to Apple in particular. The UK said it would not replicate this move. And U.S. national parks, wildlife refuges, and other public lands have begun the process of phasing out single-use plastics entirely. This will take until 2032, according to the Department of the Interior. Single-use plastic items will be replaced with biodegradable, reusable, or fully recyclable items. And that was your climate news for Monday, June 13th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becksphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.